Hey there everyone, welcome aboard to the One Touch Talks. This is your host Mayuresh Matkar and another packed show for each and every one of my listeners. We will be taking a look today at what's happened at the Parc des Princes with Lionel Messi and all the saga as he flew without permission to Saudi Arabia. We'll also we'll be previewing the two semi-finals and talking a bit about Jude Bellingham's transfer to Real Madrid. But today we've got to start in Naples at the Estadio Diego Armando Maradona with saw Napoli winning the first Scudetto after 33 years. So what a season it's been for Napoli, what a story it has been for Napoli, one for the ages, probably the best storyline of the season after Lionel Messi winning the World Cup with Argentina, but uh, again, this is one this one has a special special story to it, it's a special narrative to it as well. You know, I'm very happy for Luciano Spalletti, I'm very happy for the city of Naples, for the Napoli faithful who have been on it, who've been very much, you know, patient with whatever comes their way. They've they've not lost they've not lost hope. Even uh, you know, when they were managed by Modi Tursari, they were so so good in that run where they fell short by three points against uh, against Juventus uh, what six years ago. But they have not lost hope. They didn't lose hope, and then they won the Scudetto when their time came, and it was to it, it was yesterday. Uh, for Napoli, it was a tremendous, tremendous achievement for them as a club. You know, you can obviously there is a lot to not like about Aurelio Di Laurentiis and whatever he's done for the club can't can't be really disregarded. He's he's probably been the savior of the club in many ways. But you know, there are many things that you know people you know don't like about. Uh, Aurelio Di Laurentiis. Again, I saw his interview uh, for CBS Sports yesterday and he was talking about the Champions League game and trying to grudge about that. I mean, you don't need to do that. Come on. But again, you know, he's he's been the guy who saved the club on many occasions. He's been in fights on altercations with the fans as well but you know you can't deny that he loves the club and you know, it's it's a special city. It's a city where, you know, you see football on the streets. You see football it's in the blood of the people that 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 are that are living there you know it's 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 a very big city in terms of football heritage and everything with the players that were you know associated with the club in the past as well and the prominent names being Diego Armando Maradona who would be so proud watching this team this entire season what a story it's been and it's not like you know Milan or Juventus in the last two seasons where you know clearly Juventus were falling off uh, or sorry Milan or Inter in the last two seasons where Milan took advantage of you know teams not being as good as you know they should be or even um Inter also being the best of the rest they, were, they had a good team but Juventus were falling down uh, you had Inter, you had Milan not playing that well Atalanta was trying to emerge out but this time Napoli you, you, you look at this team and you think you know what They've been good competitors this season for for Napoli in the Serie A. You'll see at Lazio. Lazio have been very good under Sari. You take a look at what Milan are doing. They beat them thrice this season, uh, Milan. So, you know, they're a good team. You always have Inter around there. Juventus have been very consistent in the league, at least in the league. So, um, yeah, um, it's it's been a very competitive Serie A this season. And Napoli have looked. Napoli have looked the best, you know they've been one of the best teams to watch this season. You cannot say that you 
you get bored watching Napoli. It's like Liverpool. It's like watching Benfica this season. It's like watching Bayern, Bayern Munich are boring every because they win every single game and we've been used to it. So, um, and I hope you know uh, Napoli can get down on a dynasty like that. They can win three or four Scudettos on the road because that would be really something to see. Um, I hope you know Napoli uh, get. A, get a European Cup as well, because that's what Luciano Spalletti talked. I mean, he do, he talked about, you know, now we've won the Scudetto, we try and build around it, win another two uh, in the next three years, and then, you know, maybe, you know, in the midst of it, we can even win a Champions League if if we try harder. And I think that's and that, I think that's good. I think, you know, you have to believe in what you can achieve. I think, again, they have had profits. And do not do not forget that they lost five main starters of the team of of the first team in in the last transfer window and that would club legend Reese Mertens club legend uh, Lorenzo Insigne another club legend in Khalid Koulibaly you had one of the best midfielders in Serie A Fabian Ruiz leave the club and join Paris Saint-Germain one of the most experienced players in the club and one of the most experienced players internationally and knows the club very well and David Ospina leaving uh, Napoli and moving on to the Middle East so you know, they were very good marquee players leaving the club and going somewhere else and to do what they did this season by you know by very limited budget they they've cut down losses they've cut down the salary cap as well and tried to inculcate a team which can compete on all fronts I mean yeah they were beaten by Cremonese in the Coppa Italia they were beaten by Milan but that you, you, you can argue that they deserve to win those games as well but anyways, you know, this is this is a magnificent feat for Napoli. It's a brilliant, brilliant achievement for them. I'm very happy, as I said, for the Napoli faithful. They've they've waited so long. Um and again it it, it feels so it, it's it's a third longest way for any team to win something. I mean, first I think it was Milan, then Roma, and then it is probably La- Napoli and I hope for them that they keep hold of their players. They keep hold of Kavica Kvaratskhelia. I think he will stay for the for the next season. He will be there at Napoli. Um, I think um, guys like Angisa would be very much circled around by uh, different clubs around in Europe, not just in the in the Serie A. There will be suitors for him in the Premier League. I can see a club like Liverpool wanting to have someone like an Angisa. You know, a club like you know Chelsea would very much like someone like an Angisa. Club like. Atletico Madrid would really want someone like an Anguisa. He's someone who could really fit the Atletico Madrid mould as well. So there will be clubs around there who will be wanting these players. And I think they need to keep hold of them. They need to have smarter business plans. I think they need to recruit good players and that they're doing very well. Um, credit to Aurelio Di Laurentiis and his entire team in the boardroom. They've scouted players so very well. I mean, Zambo Anguisa was a flop at Fulham and they betted on him. He was very good last season and he's been even more good this season. You look at Stanislav Lobotko, who's been there for quite some years. You look at the signing of Kvaratskhelia. I mean, obviously, you know, I've, I've talked a lot about Kvaratskhelia this, on this podcast this season and he's been amazing. He's been worthy of talking that well. And, uh, you know, you will, you'll you see, you know, guys like Victor Osimhen, they, they played they paid heavy bucks for Victor Osimhen, but that's but that's worth it when you have uh, when you have the result that they have had on the pitch. I mean, he's all he's all but going for around 140, 150 million euros for any club. I mean, I'm I've seen rumors about Bayern. I've seen rumors about uh, Man United trying to get him. Uh, he might just be on the radar of Real Madrid as well if they want to move away from Karim Benzema. Um, in twenty twenty four, I don't think he will be leaving in 
at, at the end of this season. I think he's signing an extension already. Um, but yeah, I know if there there will be suitors for him, there will be suitors for Sam Buangisa. I think there will be suitors for even for Kim Min Jae. I think Man City are circulating around him. So all these guys, Kim Min Jae is such a great recruit. I mean, that's that's amazing. Amir Akmani is someone who cost them European football two years ago. Um, I'm not not European football, but Champions League football uh, two years ago. Remember they had the header that he scored when he was playing on loan from Napoli at Hayes Verona. So you know there are many good storylines there. The signing of uh, uh, the, the signing of uh, Matias Oliveira from Hetafe was again very, very good. You know, he's been very good whenever he's played instead of Mario Rui. Mario Rui has been very good serving for Napoli. He's been there for what six years, five years now. He's, he's he's very good. So is Di Lorenzo. He's played at his full potential. Some of the other signings that they've made, you know, Gio Simeone, who's playing so well at the Verona last season, scored what two hat tricks on the trot or something like that. He had a very good purple patch they took a bet on him and he's been very decent he's been a good backup decent backup you know Jack Raspadori he's been he was very good under Roberto De Zerbi when he was managing Sassuolo he's one of the best players that Sassuolo produced in the last five six years alongside Locatelli obviously and Gianluca Scamacca but you know he's blossomed into a very very good player he's start he's become a starter as well now for Italy so it, it looks good it, it really feels good to see all these guys around here contributing to the fact that you know Napoli have done something special this season it's it's been an amazing season for them I, I hope all the best for uh, all these guys and especially I, again I, I cannot you know uh, end it before talking about Luciano Spalletti and it's it's been such such an amazing season for Luciano Spalletti he came back last season to manage a club he's previously managed clubs like Inter he's managed Roma as well uh, it was a near old story again, coming near and just bottling leagues again. But this time it wasn't. And again, he is not very young to actually associate him with playing such attractive football, given that the given the fact that he is Italian, first of all. And, you know, he's he's been so good this season in terms of just the tactics. He's used a 4-3-3. He knows what the midfield is made of. He knows what the attacking players will give him. He knows what the defence will give him. He knows everything that there is to know with, um, uh, with, with with what the team is built upon. And again, he, they've missed transfer targets this season. They've missed uh, the signing of Azadine Unahi from uh, from Angers this, uh, in this winter transfer window. They could not sign Keylor Navas which I think would have been a very good move if had Keller Navas moved on from Paris Saint-Germain, but they just could not get that move happen. But anyways, I'm angry about it, but I can't just uh, convey my angry uh, convey my anger to, um, to, to the people listening to this podcast. But anyways, Luciano Spalletti's been very good. He's he's had his downfalls with Roma and with Inter in the past. He's he's had a very turbulent time as a manager, and he's 64 years old or something. And to Play that brand of football, being an Italian, not believing in this, in your older subjects of defending first and then first going for safety and then, you know, attacking whatever you can. I mean, it's it's been a really good, um, I think it's it's been a really good tenure for Luciano Spalletti. And I think I, Di Laurentiis has said that he will be staying here. He will be uh, part of a great project. I mean, he will be the guy to guide them through a great project at uh, in Naples. So. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this plans out. I think that he he deserves to sign a good contract now with decent money. Um, I think they they should they should keep hold of a few players. I think there it's natural that some players would leave. Um, 
I, I believe you know guys like Victor Osimhen would leave this summer. I, I'm, I'm really sorry to say this, but you know Osimhen might just leave. You know, I don't think they'll sell Kimpinje. Uh, someone who I'm really I really like is again Elif Almas. There might be suitors for him as well. He's an amazing player again. So there there are some very very good talents in that team, and I just think that they should be sticking together for at least another season. I mean, who knows? They can win the Champions League next season. They can win the. Uh, they can, they can win the Serie A again next season. I mean, they're primed to win Serie A again next season. I mean, if they can't get a few signings over the line, I mean, who knows? You know, anything can happen. So um, there's a lot to like about Napoli. There's a lot to love about the city as well. There's a lot to love about the, the coach, the team as well. They look very, very uh, selfless in terms of they don't go for personal glory many times. They look out for their opponents to score goals. I mean, it's it's been that it's been the theme of of the season and for what 60 60 80 percent of the season they have been amazing to watch they really were and even when they were not playing that well the general football was very good the thing that the thing was that you know they lost a bit of a mojo you know awesome and stupidly lost his lucky marks for, for god's sakes and um <laughs> anyways but you know it it happens you know it for every team it happens we've seen it seeing it with Arsenal but just the thing is that Napoli was took such a great head start uh, at the start of the season that you know the other teams would just could not capitalize again they're going through a bad patch you look at the game against Salernitana where they should have won I think it, it would have been a good thing to see that Napoli should have won at the Maradona to see the reaction of the fans. I mean, the reaction of the fans at the Dutch Arena was also very good. They stormed onto the pitch, they hugged the players and everything, conveyed their love. Um, but again, I think that it should have been had the Armando Maraona, but it wasn't. As for Bulaitia, who's having a terrific season for Salernitana, and he rescued a point for uh, for Salernitana at the Maradona. So it's a good point for Salernitana. You know, a lot of Senegalese players are coming through a phase. I mean, Look at guys like Nicholas Jackson. Abia Real he scored what five or six goals in the last six games. He's look at um, guys like Iliman and Dia. He's doing very well at Sheffield United. He's Malisar is there. Look at Bulaja now. You look at Sadio Mane. He'll come good sometime. You look at Ismail Yassar. Again, we've got five good attacking options if you're a Senegalese national team. But again, I'm drifting away from the topic. And uh, yeah, the topic was Napoli. So yeah, you know, it was good to see them win something. You know, but. As I said, it would have been great to see them win it at the Maradona, to see the reaction of the fans and everything. Um, but yeah, they've deserved it. They've, they've won the Scudetto. It's it's a great thing. It's a great comp. It's it's a great achievement for them. I believe they will sign a few other players. They will go for it again next season. I hope they keep hold of all their players. Just make a few good signs and just keep it building like a dynasty, so that you know Napoli has not become a club which, which, which you know. Uh, is trying to be a stepping stone for other players. It becomes a club where, you know, it, it resembles something like Bayern Munich or Real Madrid or Barcelona. I mean, they have got the uh, substance, the attraction to come around. It's a beautiful city. It's it's a great city. It's a great football club, graced by legends like Diego Armando Maradona. You have to say uh, in 10 years' time that if this continues to be, it will be a club that was graced by Cuaradona, it would be a club that was graced by Osimhen, by Zielinski, by Di Lorenzo, by Alex Meret, all these other guys, you know, it, it should be like that, you know, but anyways, I don't think it will happen, but if it happens, I'll be the first one to applaud them. Uh, anyways, um, it's it's been a fantastic season, I, I, I'll, I'll give it to them, It's uh, I'll tip my hat to them, uh, but 
you know, it's it's a shame that they're not in a Champions League because it would have been certain uh, blockbuster watching them face either Benfica or Inter. I would have preferred Benfica. But anyways, um, it's been a successful season. Really loved watch uh, Napoli, Napoli this season. I hope they will give some time now to youngsters like Joe Simeone on a regular basis, like Elif Elmas. I mean, Elif Elmas was starting anyways uh, against Udinese. But it, it's it's been a great season. It's been a good season for Napoli. One to remember always. And as I said on my Twitter as well, Twitter account as well, there will be a, in the in the clouds there in Napoli. There will be a curly-haired Argentine smiling down, with what would be is probably one of his most proudest moments as a fo- as as an ex-football player. So let's just talk a little bit about Lionel Messi and Paris Saint-Germain. It is over between the two parties. Uh, Lionel Messi won't be wearing a Paris Saint-Germain shirt next season. I wonder if he's ever going to wear it again because he's been suspended for two weeks. They're going to play, what, Ayasio and Trois in those two games. I don't know. I've just put away two two teams. I don't know if they're going to play those two guys. But anyways, the league title secure. I mean, they're five points ahead of... Uh, they're five points ahead of Marseille. Marseille being terrible, you know... Dropping points in home games, for God's sakes, after making so many signings like Vitinha, Unahi, and God knows who who, who else. But they've they've lost the plot there. You know, draw, drawing games, losing games for what three months regularly. They drop points in the league on at home at the Velodrome. I mean, do something for God's sakes. Um, but anyways, that's my anger towards Marseille and them bottling. The advantage that could have been presented towards them is six, seven games that Paris Saint-Germain have lost in the league. But again, I'll try to keep my anger away. Um, talking about this, um, you know, this started with the game against Lorient, which was at the weekend at the Parc des Princes. Uh, PSG were fair and squarely beaten. Um, I, I would argue that they would have actually scored a goal, but it was killing Mbappe's very wicked touch or a very wicked move that got Paris Saint-Germain the only goal in that game. Um, but yeah, uh, it has been rather embarrassment under Christophe Galtier. And I wouldn't really blame Christophe Galtier for this because I've seen media, I've seen uh, the PSG ultras and everything that they're not happy with Christophe Galtier. But in certain environments, a human being can just do that much. And you have to look at that. It's it's crazy how poorly this team is constructed because it so much money has been poured down on players like Messi, Neymar and Mbappe that they just forget that they have got other areas to sign. And again, this is a big... Um, factor of luck that, you know, players like Marquinhos have been injured this season, players like um, uh, players like Verratti, as he's already have has an injury list, injury record, um, rather. So he's been injured, Carlos Soler, many guys have been injured. There, there's not a proper number six in this team. You can argue that the most consistent players in this team this season, apart from Messi and Mbappe, have been, in my opinion, Danilo Pereira. I mean, that's that's the best shot I can give. I mean, Danilo Pereira's been very good. And apart from that, I just don't know who is, who's been that good for Paris Saint-Germain. Maybe Ashraf Hakimi. But he got himself sent off uh, against uh, against Lorient. So that's a completely different story. Um, but yeah, talking about this uh, this entire debacle. The game against Lorient was uh, 
uh, was really one to forget for, or one of the most to forget, one of the one of the many to forget for for Paris Saint Germain. Uh, they lost the game by three goals to one, and it was decided by the PSG coaching staff, like Christophe Galtier and everyone, um, that if they don't win against Lorient, there will be a training session on Monday or a warm down session on Monday, and on Tuesday they can take a day off. If they win against Lorient, Monday and Tuesday would both be off. But uh, again, there is uh, another story attached to this that you know after the game on the previous weekend. PSG gave their players four days off. That's that's bizarre. But anyways, um, you look at this, uh, look at the story, and PSG lost it. And there is certain media outlets saying that it was uh, error and error in communication. And Messi, uh, by the way, who left the left the uh, stadium very early at the very earliest, um, took a flight and went down to Saudi Arabia because he's the ambassador for the country and whatnot. I don't. I don't think uh, Ronaldo will be happy about this. He will be really pissed off. But any, but uh, uh, putting the jokes aside, I love you, Ronaldo. Anyway, by the way, and um, you look at what's happened. He took a plane. He went to Saudi Arabia. He did not attra- attend the warm down session on Monday, and that's the reason Paris Saint Germain had to um, had had to do what they did. They have banned messy for two weeks they will he will not train with the first team there will no be there will not be salaries they will just be suspended indefinitely for around two weeks now and um it's not a good look if you're Lionel messi it's it really is not but that's but that, that, that's him showing you know stuffing out two fingers at paris saint germain at nasa hal khalifi uh but it's it, it's not a good look for if, if you're if you're Lionel messi um going forward uh it's all over. There is an offer from Al Hilal for, for 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 Lionel Messi, but that that's not what we're going to talk about for now, um, because first of all, I'd need to you know really applaud what Paris Saint Germain did because it takes balls, it takes guts to do it on Lionel Messi to you know do what they did. But you know in, in the past, it's happened before as well. You know it's happened with Ibrahimovic, it's happened with Neymar, it's happened with Mbappe. It's happened in the past, and they never took any action. But you know, being wrong for several occasions does not mean that you continue to be wrong. It's time that you correct your mistakes, and it's unfortunate that that mistake that was to be corrected uh, with the starting point of Lionel Messi. And you know, the fans are pissed off. The fans saying that you know it's disrespectful towards Messi and everything. Come on, man! Just just grow up. And me being a Ronaldo fan, I didn't like a lot of things that you know Manchester United and he went through. But you know, towards the facts that you know he left the stadium and everything, I can understand why he did it, and I can understand why Lionel Messi is doing it. But you can't argue that he deserves a suspension of two weeks. That's 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 absolutely critical at this moment. You need to show a little bit of uh, authority, to a little bit of you know, know-how about how the club is run to your players, to your star players, so that they don't try to uh, put a leash on your uh, neck. So that's how I believe it should be. Uh, the fans are not happy because uh, Messi was booed. And this is something that I need to address here. Why are, you know, Messi fans or Barcelona fans pissed off by PSG Ultras booing at, uh, booing at uh, Lionel Messi? It's it's natural. He, he's he's a football player. He he owes nothing to Paris Saint Germain. He's done nothing at Paris Saint Germain to actually 
get appreciation from PSG fans. I don't think PSG fans care what he did for Barcelona, what he's done for Argentina. It does nothing but it, it does no good to them. They only care about what happens at Paris Saint-Germain. I've seen Ronaldo getting booed after winning two Champions League trophies, after actually having a, a, a goal tally of a, a higher goal tally than the matches played. You know, that's that's how it was at that time. And he, he got booed at Santiago Bernabeu. But I, I never really complained about that because it was a game that he was playing badly. And Real Madrid fans, and me too, hope that every single time Real Madrid take the field, they win the game. Now, that's the expectation. And now Barcelona fans and uh, Messi fans are ag agitated that, you know, they don't respect a legend. He's not a legend of Paris Saint-Germain, is he? He's won nothing. I mean, he's he's won the league on, obviously, yeah. But apart from the league, what has he done? He's done absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. So, you know, those fans can take it and shove it. But but I, I don't care what Messi feels or, the, or those fans feel. It's just downright, you know, poor from these fans to think that, you know, they should respect him. I mean, obviously, they should respect him, but... It's not disrespect when you're booing someone for him not living up to the expectation. And obviously, you know, a few other fans should also um, should, should also expect that, you know, he's 35 years of age. But again, you cannot really deny the fact that he's earning 30 million, year, 30 million per year at Paris Saint-Germain. He, he's taking the bag as well. So um, the, this conversation can go both ways. But now, what's next for Lionel Messi? Um, I think... Things that you know come up are possible destinations. The Al Hilal offer is on the table. I doubt that he'll take it, but again, he can take it because of the links to Saudi. Um, there is uh, a possible destination again in the MLS uh, with Inter Miami being there. You know, really good city. You know, you've got the beaches around there. You've got the nightlife in Miami. Um, you know, you've got a good little team around there. I mean, going back to Barcelona would be a bit absurd for me because uh, maybe one last push for the for the Champions League. Man, I just don't think this is a good idea. I think you you can make out the system that they're going to play. They're going to play a three midfield system. They're not going to be playing four. You play three midfielders: Dembele and Balde on the on the wide areas. You have got Kunde, uh, Araujo, and anyone who can play at left centre back, maybe. It's Eric Garcia, Marcos Alonso. I hope that's one of those two. Or maybe it is uh, the proper option of uh, Andres Christensen. And then you've got Lewandowski and Messi up front, which is good for fantasy football, but not good in real-life football at this moment in time of their careers. Messi is past his best. You, you can argue that. I mean, people would say that he's done... He, he, did, he played so well for Argentina. It's, it's, it's good that he played so well for Argentina. It's good for him. He won the World Cup, yes. But that's for seven games. He's done nothing well for Paris Saint-Germain when he's been put under pressure. He's done nothing well even at Barcelona before that. So, you know, you can argue that he's not going to be helping Barcelona that much. And if you're talking about Xavi, I don't I don't think he would deny having Messi in this in his camp, but there will be some amount of doubt in his mind as well. Whether to take him, whether to whether not, you know, come on board with this plan. But anyways, this is really a circus around and you know, with Paris Saint-Germain it's always one. Um but is 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 it really necessary? It re I I don't I don't re I don't really think it is for Barcelona to go back to uh, to Lionel Messi. You've all you've already been through the uh, uh, 
to, through the report after the Real Betis game and the Camp Nou that uh, Matteo Alemani will leave the club. He's someone who's not in favour of Messi returning to Barcelona. That's very, very, um, that's very significant here. And you know the salary and everything. They, they need to cut 170 million euros on their wage bill to actually sign Araujo and Gavi, who are right now registered as second team players. So, you know, I don't understand what what Laporta is thinking. Again, he's a politician. He knows how to milk statements and uh, give away uh, crazy little narratives about things that are that will happen. They're not going to happen. We saw the videos. I mean. Uh, dating back to 1960s and something you know that's absurd from Florentino Perez uh, but anyways um, that, that's what happened it's it's effectively a straight out politician move that we want Messi and stuff like that but Laporta is very intelligent I think he will know what to do as I think so but you know he's pulled out levers and everything which again Matteo Alemani was in, not in favour of I think they will need to sign someone in terms of their sporting record and everything. Obviously, Ramon Planes, who's, who was so good for for Barcelona. I'm just putting out this. There's not nothing related to Barcelona, but you know, Ramon Planes, who was so good for Barcelona for so many years and recruiting and everything. He's now joined Real Betis, so expect big things from them. Um, it's 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 been rather very problematic. Uh, of, a, of, of a move it will be a rather problematic move if Messi comes back to Barcelona because I just think you know he's passed his best what are you going to do with him right now in his career he'll give you as a starter he's going to give you probably next season and the season after that but it's again it's it's a long shot it really is a long shot you see in the game against Bayern Munich how easily does Goretzka who's five yards behind him takes a start and gets there before Lionel Messi that that's how it is and you're not going to get a very fast Lewandowski in there he's not third he's not 30 he's not 28 he's 35 as well so what are you doing playing two 35 year olds in in your front two I know I know Benzema's also 35 but, but he's got players like Vinicius around him he's got players like Rodrigo Valverde around him and even now someone whom I'm going to talk about a little later but anyways um it is what it is. I just don't think going back to Barcelona is the right thing to do if you're Lionel Messi. You need to think about. You need to think a little bit wisely, and you know Laporta needs to think a bit wisely because it looks good on paper, but in reality, financially, commercially, I think commercially it will be good, but financially, it really is not going to bear fruit in the long term. So according to multiple media outlets in Germany, England and also in Spain, it is reported that Jude Bellingham has agreed to personal terms with Real Madrid. He will be leaving Borussia Dortmund at the end of the season and will be joining Real Madrid from next season. This is a monumental signing and again a wonder kid has been signed by Real Madrid with the help of Juni Calafa who is the head of the scouting department at uh, Real Madrid. It's a monumental signing for Real Madrid. It really is. Uh, the package is reportedly going to be around 150 million euros. Some rumours are saying that they won't hit uh, more than 130 million euros. Real Madrid are not willing to pay that mu more than 130 million euros. So, uh, you know, it is up to Florentino Perez. But uh, one thing is for sure, Kylian Mbappe isn't coming for next season. So, uh, um that's that uh, you know it's a it's a great signing you know it is it really is some of the people 
in the Premier League are kind of salty because he's not joining uh, the Premier League. The pundits are very salty because uh, they think that that an England international, probably a star for England's uh, next generation, should be playing for England. I mean, England's big player at this moment in time is Harry Kane, and he's playing for Tottenham Hotspur, and a player who's playing for Real Madrid is certainly an upgrade over what uh, they currently have. So anyways, um, it is a fantastic signing from Real Madrid. They will be uh, putting the main heroes of their past, like Kroos and Modric, so they really are legends of the game, legends at Real Madrid. Um, they will be getting them out of the sunset. Uh, there will be a new belt, a conveyor belt of midfielders like Camavinga, Chouameni, Valverde, and now Bellingham is signed as well. There will be some role as well for uh, the likes of Dani Ceballos. It's it's a great signing, you know, it is. Um, he can play in a double pivot, he can play box-to-box, -box. he can also play as number 10, he can play wide midfield as well. Some, some say, I've not seen him play wide midfield as of yet, but, you know, if people say that he can, I mean, we can believe it. I mean, he can certainly being developed into a very good number 10 as well, in my opinion. So the sky's the limit for Jude Bellingham. He's got uh, his entire future to look forward to at Real Madrid. He can just excel at a ridiculously good level. He can be a legend at the club as well. I mean, he if he wants to, he can stay there for 10 years. And I mean, no one's going to um, bash an eyelid on it as well. But what a signing it is. Jude Bellingham, you know, incredible player. For now, he's... He's got to be focused on winning the league at Borussia Dortmund because it's the last chance for him. Maybe he want to go back uh, to Dortmund after everything's done in his career, after 15 years, say. But you know, this is this is probably his last chance. So who knows what could happen? But this this is a real, real fantastic signing. And again, thank you to Juni Kalafat as a Real Madrid supporter. I'm really happy that he's coming to Real Madrid. What a brilliant! Uh, set of midfielders we'll have for the next 10 years uh, to the Santiago Bernabeu and again for next season he'll have we'll have Camavinga, uh, Kroos, Modric, Ceballos and uh, Bellingham and also we'll have Kroos and Modric so that's seven good midfielders that you know Ancelotti or someone else who will be coming in uh, he'll have to choose from uh, so that's good as well but um, yeah I mean there were other clubs as well who were interested in signing Jude Bellingham reportedly Liverpool had backed out in April. Uh, Reopen Club made it absolutely clear that they cannot afford to sign a player worth 100 million euros. That's that's not how they're going to do their business this season. Probably going to sign Mount, they're probably going to sign someone else. Manuel Ugarte from uh, Sporting Lisbon has been mentioned. Uh, they also are looking to sign Alexis McAllister, who was excellent yesterday against Manchester United. So, you know, these are some players that they would look to sign, but not Jude Bellingham, not a, such an expensive signing. Maybe somewhere down the line in his career, he might have a chance to play for Liverpool. There was another club who was interested in him, and it was Man City. He would have just fit in right like a shoe. You know, Bernardo Silva and Gundogan probably not be a part of the City squad next season. So it makes sense for Jude Bellingham to join there. He would have just you know, walked into that side, become a starter next season. But uh, that's also not going to happen, so... Uh, He's, uh, he's joining Real Madrid, he's chosen passion over money, that's good to see. 
for once and he's going to join a club which is rich in history at Real Madrid as well so um, no punches picked up but anyways there will be punches thrown at each other when Real Madrid meet uh, Man City in the Champions League semi-finals the first leg is going to be at the Bernabeu it is a massive massive game this for Man City and even for Real Madrid they're going to take this game very seriously it's not going to be the one which they played at, at San Sebastian uh, against Real Sociedad I mean that was given you know Real Sociedad wanted the victory more than Real Madrid uh, wanted anything out of that game. Real Madrid made many changes for that one where you know we had um, even Mariano Diaz starting as the number nine of the uh, leading the line as well. The many also started the game. Nacho played a left back or something. Ed Militao made a Massive error to gave the first goal. David Silva in that game is amazing. I'm very happy, by the way, for Emmanuel Alguacil and uh, Real Sociedad that are going to be in the Champions League next season. They're almost certain to go into the Champions League, um, barring a falter of, of last-minute faltering of uh, all sorts. But yeah, we need to talk about uh, Real Madrid and Man City. This is the first leg at the Santiago Bernabeu. Real Madrid, first of all, how they can play this one. The big question is how healthy is David Alaba? He, it's not been reported as of now that he's going to be a starter or not. I don't expect him to be starting the game against Osasuna. He will have a part to play in my opinion, but he has to be fit. He is back in training. That's good. Uh, Valverde was also back in training. There was a slight niggle with him as well, uh, but they're both back in training. Uh, the game against Osasuna is again very big because of the Copa del Rey final. If they can win that in two seasons, Real Madrid would have won everything there is to win in Spain. So that's an amazing feat again. Uh, not just in Spain, but also in Europe, apart from the Europa League, the coveted title in Europe. So, um, yeah, that's that. And uh, we need to talk also about uh, the, some of the other things that are taking place right now at Real Madrid, and that is... Uh, you know, well, the midfield composition with Luka Modric also been injured. He's reportedly back uh, to full fitness. He pulled up a hamstring, flew to Belgrade, met, met a specialist, and uh, now he's reportedly fit. I don't know how this is. At 37 years of age, I can recover so quickly, but uh, it is what it is. Um, so what the starting 11 can be. I, in my opinion, they should not be playing Modric from the start, and if Modric is not playing, it becomes an easy situation this for Carlo Ancelotti. I think uh, Kamavinga will play as left-back, and he will have a big, big job to uh, do against uh, Bernardo Silva, who's been absolutely brilliant for Man City on that right wing. I would deploy uh, Valverde and uh, Valverde and Chouameni centrally, because... Germany's not had a good time so far. He's been a bit patchy, but you know I'll still back him to play in that central midfield role. Put Kroos uh, in that midfield three, and then have Benzema, Vinicius, and Rodrigo playing in that front three. I would have liked to see a lot more of Alvaro Rodriguez uh, uh, in that game against Real Sociedad. Uh, he also had a chance for the header where Alex Romero made a good save. Um, but yeah, again, him and Asensio will be coming off the bench. So will be Luka Modric and even Nacho if need be. Uh, as far as uh, Man City go, they will be 
question marks as to how they plan this because they have a game against Leeds United at the weekend uh, in the Premier League. It's against Leeds or something else. I, I don't remember, but yeah, they do have a game at the weekend. So how do they plan it? I think that's going to be very interesting as well. Um, West Ham made them work hard in the first half, but then, you know, 3-0 scoreline, Man City cruised to victory. Um, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be really interesting for the first leg. It's very tough to call, but for now, I will give a slight edge. For the first leg, I will give a slight edge to Real Madrid. They take the victory 2-1 at the Bernabeu, and um, we'll see what happens at the Etihad for the second leg. But, you know, there will be a same stadium which will be contested for the second semi-finals uh, with the first thing and the second thing and that will be the iconic San Siro in Milan which will be hosting the Derby della Madonnina between Milan and Inter it's a very very amazing amazing tie this I would have liked to see Napoli against Benfica but what the hell you know Bure anyway is going to see a classic here as well between these two monumental and historic sides in the uh, in the Champions League, uh, it's going to be very tough to call as well. Um, Milan drew their game in the midweek as well. Inter thumped, um, who was it? I think it was Torino away from home 6 0. So it's going to be very interesting. Milan in their last game as well against Roma weren't that convincing. Uh, Roma, I mean, they, Roma scored a last minute winner, and I mean, it, they scored a goal and stopped time through. Uh, Tammy Abraham, but just to concede again. So who who knows what will happen again for um, for for Milan. But anyway, it's going to be really interesting to see how things pan out. I'm uh, I'm not certain for the first leg. I'm going I'm going for a two-one victory to Inter. It's going to be very interesting to see. I th I think Inter are the team in good form. Milan, I think, are a bit patchy. But then again, you see the likes of uh, you know. Giroud and Rafael Leao or anything, you know, you can't bet against Milan or something in this competition. But anyways, I'm going right now for a Milan victory, for an Inter victory, 2-1 at the San Siro for the first leg. So uh, that's all for this podcast. Uh, be sure to check into my other podcast as well. And uh, we'll meet you guys on Friday. Until then, this is your host, Mayuresh Matkar. Thank you very much. Cheerio.